Hey everybody, this is Mike Van Meter and welcome to Recovery is Possible. And this episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or at 855-802-6600 for more information. And today I want to talk to you all about um, an experience that I had, and that experience, some of you may know of, but a lot of you may not, uh, is I ran for public office. I ran for the Virginia State Senate here in Virginia. Don't panic. Don't panic. We're not going to talk politics. I found that that is a very dangerous road to go down. Um, it's not that uh, I ran for a political office that is going to be the focus of this, can't, this uh, podcast. It's going to be the fact that I took a very difficult undertaking very, very difficult undertaking, and it's an undertaking that very few people, period, ever attempt to do because it just takes a lot out of you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and that's going to be the focus of our discussion today, and wanted to talk about what that experience was like and and how I was able to navigate those rough waters and stay sober and stay sane, well, at least I think I stayed sane. Maybe my wife will have a, a different opinion of that. I don't know. We'll find out. But I do want to have a discussion about how all of this panned out. And in order to do that, I invited my good friend, Aparna Sane. Many of you have heard her on this podcast before, and she is the host over at WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington. And she has a, a, a a show called Mindful Radio, and I want to bring her on, reintroduce you to her, and we'll get into this discussion. So Aparna, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike, and uh, congratulations on actually finishing the uh, the whole process. I mean, just the mere fact that you took on, um, you know, the first time running for office, especially one of that caliber running for Senate, is uh, very impressive. You should be very proud of yourself. Well, thank you. I didn't win, just in case all of you are wondering. Um, I did not win, but it was my first time out. Uh, went up against a lot of money and somebody that was very, very well known. This person has run for governor before, so they're very well known. But I, yeah, but I thank you. I, I, I do. I feel like it was a big accomplishment just because so few people do it, and it was, it was real difficult. But um, you know, Aparna, tell us a little bit more about like this. Uh, you kind of were watching me as all of this was going on, and. You know, what What are your, sort of your thoughts on this? And, you know, maybe let's just kind of pull this apart and talk about how is it that you go through this and keep your, not lose your cool, not lose your head, more importantly, not lose your faith, your spirituality and, and your centeredness. So uh, maybe give some thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, I'm very impressed with um, how well you took that whole process, especially since Early on in the process, I think you were gearing yourself up for all of this, and I believe you had started running and doing some real practices to keep you, as you mentioned, sane throughout the process. Um, I feel like when we're uh, when people run for office or put themselves in the public eye like that, you got to be. People love to criticize, right? So everybody loves to hold on to that negative. 
And so you might have done 10 things right, but they'll keep talking about the one or two things that, um, you know, you may not, you know, or that, that you'd sooner forget, let's put it that way. And so um, I know you mentioned that a few times, Mike, was your experience, but um, the fact that you kept your sanity is so impressive. Yeah, I don't know that I always felt like I did, but I do know this, that mm. when you're in this process, you get to know all of the other candidates. And when you get to know the other candidates, you kind of you kind of know their baseline. You know, what are their personalities? What are they like? And I can tell you, at least I believe from my perspective, I was able to keep my cool a bit more than the, a lot of the other candidates, those that in my perception, weren't as grounded, you know, weren't doing the things that they needed to do uh, in mm -hmm. order to stay grounded. And these are concepts that can apply to all of the people that are listening to this podcast right now. It's not just running for office because many of you listening to this podcast do very difficult things. You have very difficult jobs. Maybe you're a firefighter. Maybe you're a police officer. Maybe you're an executive. Maybe you're just a nurse, a doctor, a nurse, whatever the, whatever the case may be. These are high stress professions. And in order to do that, I think that there's things that, that you really need to do. Now, a part of it, and I, I don't want to get your thoughts on this, because I was talking to someone about this the other day. I was talking to a patient, actually, in the detox center where I work the other day about this. And that is that as individuals, we tend to really do the things that we need to do to stay grounded and cent centered and healthy when things are going well, when we're really not under a lot of stress. Like, for example, I, I went to the gym tonight and uh, really, you know, prepared a meal, tried to make it a healthy meal, took care of myself. Like I said, I went to the gym. Uh, I've been trying to get back into my sleep cycle, you know, really take care of that because sleep is underrated. And, and I'm doing that. But you notice that I'm doing it now, uh, or I'm more conscientious, I should say, now that the, the Senate race is over with. And... I notice that I do these types of things more when I'm not under a lot of stress. But my perspective is that when you're under a lot of stress, you tend to do less of those self-care types of things when in actuality, if you were ever going to practice self-care, it should be during those stressful situations. Uh, do you agree with that? Absolutely. In fact, I was going to say, you know, um, it's, it's that same analogy that we use when we get on the plane, right? And they say, you got to remember to put your mask on yourself first before you can try and go save other people, right? So it's the same thing with um, any, actually, as you brought up, any stressful job or situation is you got to practice that self-care. And by self-care, I think, you know, people are not, not necessarily, you don't have to reach for something really far, like you don't have to go, uh, meditate for a few hours or you don't have to um, go to get a massage or something like that. Uh, simple techniques can go a really long way. One is like, you know, just kind of getting outside, going for a walk, you know, all these simple little things that we think, oh my God, I'm going to get to it. So simple, I think is really key when we're talking about self-care, especially under stressful situations. So things like going for a little walk, going for a jog, going to the gym, uh, meditating, actually stopping for five, 10 minutes, uh, maybe throughout the day, especially if you're triggered, we say, then you should do it throughout the day. Um, you know, short stints of, uh, quiet for like five, 10 minutes. 
So I think that it, there are a lot of things we can do and execute on when we are in that fire, um, you know, when we're trying to put out a fire. And now I know that it's unrealistic to say, well, someone's yelling at me and I've got a deadline and I've got all these things coming up and I'm going to just sit here and meditate for 10 minutes. It's counterintuitive. But the thing is, if you take a few deep breaths and just even come back to your breath for like 60 seconds, the amount of energy and just centeredness that gives you to move forward, there are just no words for that. Yeah, exactly. And how how can people in the midst of all of that stress, make it a priority? Because I think that's that's what happens. You know, we have all these plans. What do they say in battle? You know, all your great plans, you can have all the greatest plans in the world, but it's not until that first bullet is, is fired. As soon as that first mm-hmm. bullet is fired, then all those great plans go out the window in all the tactics and the training that you, you studied and you thought that you were ready for, for that combat it's out the window and you're not, you're not doing that. So what can we do to make sure that we stay focused and during those tough times, during those tough times, really focus on doing what we need to do? Yeah, I think one of the, the, the most important things we can do is to start our day strong. So these practices really need to be ingrained in our, in our way of being. Uh, where you start your day strong, whether it's going to uh, going for a walk or going to the gym and then actually sitting for 15 minutes of quiet and meditating and observing our breath or doing some yoga in the morning. So the way we start each day is probably the greatest gift we can give ourselves no matter what the situation. And there's just no excuse for that. So even before I used to do yoga, I used to actually... Um, I, I usually start my day with meditation and yoga and I, I have a pretty long practice of about two hours. So I start at 5 a.m. But I think typically, even if you can't do something like that, just taking like uh, 30, 40, 60 minutes in the morning to set, you know, give yourself that ability to start the day off strong goes a really, really long way. It keeps you from everything kind of unraveling in a way that is just going to become uncontrollable. And then the other thing is to observe some really small things we can do even while we're in the midst of stress. So one of the most important things is to drink a lot of water. Mm -hmm. Stay hydrated because hydration is key to now. I mean, I'm saying that and I know today I did not drink enough water. So. I know how quickly the time changes and things happen, uh, but it is there are a lot of simple things we can do, um, like drinking enough water, staying centered, and then also really observing, checking in with ourselves throughout the day, being really aware of what thoughts we're putting out, right? Because the thoughts that we put out are what's going to, you know, like attracts like. So we are bringing on to ourselves. those kind of same reactions. So for example, if you're having positive emotions about something you got to do, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Or even if you're not looking forward to something, it's like, uh, I'm going to feel so much better after this is done. So whatever you, you have going on in the day, uh, if you start giving it more positive energy, that's going to multiply. If you give it more negative energy, that's going to multiply. So being fully aware of what you are um, embarking upon as you go from your next task to the next task to the next 
fire that you may be putting out. Yeah, that makes uh, it makes a lot of sense. And and again, we tend to do these things when we're we're really conscious of it. But again, that that first bullet, so to speak, gets fired, and then everything goes out the window. But I really like what you you said, and that is starting early in the morning. And I, I have to confess, Aparna, I'm really not a morning person. I actually teach a spin <laughs> class, which is a, a cycling class. I think I told you about that. It. Uh, 630 in the morning, which means I have to get up at about five to get ready and, and go because I have to tr- travel across town to teach this class. So it means I'm up at, at five wow. in the morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's uh, commitment. There you go. It is a lot of commitment, you know, and I but I have to confess I'm not a morning person and I really don't like getting up that early. And so those that are listening might be thinking to themselves, well, there's just no way. There's no way I'm going to get up in the morning and and do that and make that kind of commitment and meditate and maybe read some literature, do some spiritual things or even work out. But here's here's the plug for that. And I one of the things that I noticed with the people that were running for office, the political office, those that have been around for a while, they, in other words, they have some longevity in this political business and they, they do campaign after campaign after campaign. I noticed that they all tend to get up very, very early. And I was asking one of them about that. And this person told me that the reason why they do that is because they know as soon as their day starts, meaning the work day starts, you don't have a free moment to yourself. So it's not like you're going to go for a run during during lunch or, oh, okay, I'm going to go, go to the gym in the evening. I'm going to maybe do some spiritual things in the evening. Because the fact is, in the political world, particularly if you're working on top of running for political office, it gets away from you pretty quick. But what the point was is, but if you think about it, early in the morning, like five in the morning, all of those people, they're going to be sucking your time up for the rest of the day aren't awake yet (laughs) so that's how you can get much of your wellness work done is because no one's probably probably not sending you texts at five in the morning probably not calling you at five in the morning unless it's an emergency that so that's that time where it truly can be for you and you can take yourself so it's going to be that paradigm shift into getting up early because most people just like where you're at right now, Parna, I, I would imagine it's taken a lot of discipline. You probably didn't start out life by getting up that early and meditating for two hours. It's probably something you had to build into, right? Absolutely. I mean, now I will say even <clears throat> before I started doing the meditations, I used to meet my trainer early because I had a long drive to work and I wanted to be, go before rush hour, I used to drive an hour, an hour to work. So I did have a lot of it was forced on me in the beginning, right? Because if you don't leave, uh, hit the road by seven, then you're going to be dealing with a lot of traffic. So, um, so some of it I got used to, but I'll tell you a little secret about waking up early. One, um, there is a method to all of this. If you eat dinner, then now this is what we say in Ayurveda. So If you eat a heavy dinner past eight o'clock, you are going to have a really hard time waking up at five, six o'clock in the morning. It's just the way it is. So a lot of people eat like heavy meats. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it it is really, there is a whole method to the madness of like giving your body uh, at least like uh, 10, 12 hours uh, of pure rest, right? Like, or not so much just from sleep, but resting from digestion. So if you're going to go, if 
if you go to bed, let's say, ideally between 10 and 11, then you're waking up at five, six o'clock in the morning is a real thing. Otherwise, if you're going to bed at like midnight and then you're trying to burn the candle for both ends, you're going to burn out pretty quickly. So I, I do want to share with everyone that there is a way, there is a little trick to it. So I started applying this because I used to have a really hard time waking up early, like to pr start practice at five or even just like I wanted to wake up at five, but I used to wake up around six, six thirty. And so to get that extra hour, I had to cut the dinners and move them up. So even if you're going to eat a lot, make sure you eat them before eight o'clock. I had to move it all the way up to like eating my dinner around six and being done around seven, seven thirty. like, you know, not pushing it too far in to the evening so that my body, my digestion has a chance to rest um, a good bit, like 10, 12 hours. And then you wake up um, feeling a little more energized at that point. Now, and the other trick to it is that, you know, after you do it for two, three days, make sure you have something that you're going to do plan. So you're not negotiating at 5 a.m. with yourself where it's like, ah, oh, am I going to work out or am I going to meditate or am I going to write some pages of affirmations or, you know, all that kind of stuff. You've got to sort that out the night before because five o'clock in the morning when that alarm goes off is not a good time to negotiate with your brain. You got to just whatever you picked, you got to go into it. So uh, this is a little trick that I always try and use. So I don't wake up in the morning and start negotiating with myself. Uh, maybe, maybe not, maybe half hour, you know, all that kind of stuff just kind of derails that whole plan. You got to make the plan the night before. Yeah. But I, I like that. And then, and then putting it on your calendar, making it just like every other appointment. And I like this too, because uh, one of the things I, because you notice that I'm telling you that I, I have to get up that early because I'm teaching a class. So I don't have an right. option, right? So when right. you're talking about negotiating with yourself, if you don't have a commitment, if there's not a hard commitment that you've made, then you're in that negotiation process. And when that five o'clock hour rolls around, you think, well, man, I just don't, I don't feel like getting out of bed. I'm not going to do that. But if you've already made a commitment, like in your case, you had to go meet a trainer, or in my yeah. case, I'm going to teach a class. We don't really, you don't have an option. There's no laying in bed and negotiating with yourself. It's, hey, no, I, these people are counting on me to be over here. Um, you know, that's that can, actually a really good point. That's actually a really good way to really push it in the beginning um, is to do that. I mean, or you have to do like the one thing that you really, really want to do so that you know that you're going to be excited about it. But if it's like, you know, if you've never really worked out, it's not your thing, and then you're like, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to go work out, that is pushing up against the grade, and that's going to may not happen. So uh, one of the other things I want to share is that this waking up in the early in the morning is something that I've seen a lot of like uh, very successful CEOs uh, do, uh, especially some of the famous ones like the CEO of Apple, for example, Tim Cook, hits um, the gym at Equinox in Palo Alto at like 5 a.m. So you see, if you go to some of these places um, at 5 a.m., you notice that you see all these successful 
people on their treadmills or whatever else because they know, as you had mentioned, that that's the time that they're going to get quiet. You know, after like eight o'clock or when people start coming in the office, there's no time to themselves. So they pull it in the morning from five to seven or whatever when they do all the things like reading something positive or I've heard a lot of people read scripture. I I've heard people do, you know, alongside of working out, you can do meditation, you can do some breath work, but something like that. But whatever you do, you got to make the decision the night before and really have it thought through. Like you're not going to be thinking, oh, is it breath work or am I going to meditate? So that part, so one part I will say for me is that uh, my teacher, uh, my spiritual teacher had outlined a program for us. So when you wake up in the morning, it's like, one, two, three, you just, you're not negotiating, you know exactly what you're going to be doing, so like in, even in terms of meditation. And so you just kind of, you know, hop on it, you don't really negotiate and or what it's what you said, Mike, have a commitment to someone else where you mm -hmm. just have yeah, you've made that commitment, and so they're expecting you to be there. And I know that that's mm -hmm. what motivated me, and I think that that's a big part of it, too, is each one of us, we're all personalities, we're, we all have different thought processes, we all have different things that, that motivate us, and that's something that you have to think about is what motivates you in recovery, what you know and because i'll bring this back to a recovery perspective and, and and actually you know something i do want to address since this particular uh program is talking about recovery and the title is recovery is possible the fact that i was in recovery was essential in running for office if i was not in recovery folks that I, there's no way in the world i could have done what i did there's no way you you just you wouldn't have the energy you wouldn't have the motivation um, you, you there's just too much going on and I will tell you that being in recovery opened up so many doors for me it opened up not only the ability to do this but the subject matter itself was in, intriguing to people because we have such a, a problem with addiction in this country that most of the voters I talked to were very interested in learning about recovery and my, my views on recovery and the things that we can do. But, you know, when you're um, a slave to a substance, whether it be alcohol or to drugs or to sex, uh, relationships, codependent relationships, gambling, whatever the case may be, that becomes your master and that becomes your focus. And it really closes all of the doors and it closes your potential from doing your potential to achieve all of the goals that you want. And each one of us has goals. Uh, I hope we all have goals. If you don't have goals, that's something that we need to work through and find out what your goals in life are. But your addiction is going to take that from you. And by getting into recovery, that opens those doors. So each one of us can work to achieve what our potential is. Because, you know, maybe address this here for a minute, Aponra. I am, I am convinced that most people never come even close to achieving what their potential is. Now, if you're suffering from an addiction, that's going to be especially true. But even those that are in recovery or are self-aware, self-focused, are still going to struggle. But all the concepts that we're talking about are going to be opening those doors for you to come as close as you can to achieving your potential. Do you agree with that? 
Absolutely. And I think one thing that I want to share here is that one of the most important things we can do for ourselves in life is to have something that we believe in that's larger than ourselves. So if the whole thing and that's the spiritual and that's spirituality, right, is a belief in something that is greater than ourselves so that we know that we are here to serve a higher purpose, higher cause, something that does give us that energy to be able to wake up a little earlier and feel excited about who we are and this purpose that we're serving in this world. Otherwise, it can be a pretty easy downward spiral, right? So if you believe, and it allows you to actually really believe in ourselves. And unfortunately, um, there are too many people out there who, you know, we get caught up in our own head. Uh, I'm not good enough. I'm, I don't know if I've got my self-worth, this or that. But the minute you tie yourself to something higher than yourself, now you've got yourself aligned with a higher purpose to allow you to open up to living a life that is greater and much better uh, equipped to um, live a higher purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it comes down to. You know, I think one of the things that you have to ask yourself is, what do you want to be remembered for when you're no longer on this earth? Because at some point, we're all going to be gone. And what do I want to be remembered for? And just knowing that uh, utilizing the practices that we're talking about are going to help you better achieve that which is for the greater good, for the community, for your family, for, you know, whatever your purpose is. And our addictions are going to hold us back. But I tell you, being in recovery and the idea of recognizing the powerlessness over substances that I have, the doing that searching and moral inventory every single day, constantly looking at where I can improve what I'm doing my life, um, making amends with people, you know, for those that, that I offended or there was perceived um, uh, offense, dealing with that every single day, that gives you peace of mind. And then constantly looking upwards into my higher power. And, you know, I'm not I'm not telling people what to believe as far as religion is concerned, but I do believe that you have to have a higher purpose, a higher power, and, and to look in those directions. And find, uh, every day asking myself, am I doing what I need to do to uh, achieve those goals as directed to me through this this higher power it really keeps you centered and it keeps you focused and i just saw so many people not do that and they really suffered during the campaign and those are the people that by the time it's over with they say i will never do this again (laughs) and and you never hear from them again and i think that if you're going to have longevity in running for an office, or if you're in a higher high power position, higher pressure position, you're going to have to really uh, employ the, the concepts that we're talking about, or you're just not going to last long. You know, like you mentioned, Aparna, you're just going to burn out early on. Yeah, and it's a shame because we need more people who want to serve our country, right? So people run for office with really good intention, I think, um, to want to serve the people, to serve our country. And we need people to be super excited about that. And so in a lot of ways, you know, um, I wish the system was set up to encourage more people to want to serve, especially young people or people with specific, you know, who are really passionate about a specific political view. Like, I, I think the work you're doing with bringing recovery uh, to the forefront of as you're running for office 
was great, right? Sharing that message is so important. Mental health is a very important message that I wish more politicians would actually bring as a, 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 a pillar for their campaigning. And, you know, so all of these things, and I, I'm just amazed, right? People come in with such great intentions to run for office. And yet at, at the, I mean, it's such an exhausting process that they get disheartened and then they don't run again, which is kind of a little sad to see, I have to say. I, I wish we could turn that around, you know, because we need more people who can recognize their higher calling to serve people and humanity and their country to we need to make it easier and we need to use that to inspire more and more people we want that to grow we do we do and the only way that we can do that is to put together these lists of information that we're talking about and as i'm sitting here talking to you i'm sitting here thinking wow this would be a great training program for candidates that that right? want to run and uh so if you're if you're planning on running for office contact us and we can coach you through <laughs> you know how to do how do you run for political office and survive coming out the other end that would be a great that would be a great training program so that I you just gave birth a part of you just gave birth to that a whole program there so <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and i think it's not just even for office but anything because uh, mike i think the thing that it boils down to is how much do we value our own self-worth right are we worthy of making our dreams come true mm-hmm. are we oh, really I like that. worthy? yeah i mean are we worthy of and because all of us have dreams and it's sad to see that as we get older we kind of numb ourselves out to those like whether you're using alcohol or some other substance but people um forget that and then you know um it's very important for us to know that we are put on this planet for a higher purpose and to serve our purpose we need to believe in our worth and we need to imbibe that and really and there are processes and rituals that we can take on that make that whole thing um, easier for us because otherwise, if, if, you know, a lot of times, to be honest with you, I've been on the spiritual path and doing this journey, um, but I come from an Indian background. So when I'm in the U.S., I felt very alone. You know, I'm the only one waking up at five. Everything's about me. Why did I choose this? You know, so there's always that that back talk and it can be tough. It can feel like you're the only one on this path. But I don't think that's true. And I would love to have a community where we can all kind of dial into our best selves. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. There's so much to dive into. And we definitely, we definitely need to continue this conversation. And I hope that we do that because I think this is a powerful subject. Well, Apara, thank you for coming in and, and joining this today. And I know this is a, this is some great information that uh, whether you're running for office, you're an executive, you're somebody in a higher power position, or just somebody at home taking care of the kids because we know that that's stressful, taking care of the home, that is stressful. But we all can do so much more to become that high performer in, by practicing these things that we're talking about. So thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thanks for giving a voice to all that kind of um, stuff that we need to really feel whole and feel, you know, bring a lot of goodness to our country and to our people. So I really appreciate all the work you do.
Oh, and I, and I appreciate what you're doing as well. This is, you know, it's, it's very insightful. And I, I know that you're really helping a lot of people just get focused on on their spiritual health and their spiritual development. Mm. So thank you so much for, for doing that. And uh, everybody, again, this episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. And Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. So Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers are located in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut. And they do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or call them at 855-802-6600 for more information. And folks, you guys take care of yourselves. I know, I know that we can do this thing called life and we can do it well and you can achieve your potential. And again, this is Mike Van Meter with Aparnasane and this is Recovery Possible. And we will see you guys next week. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.